So I'm so excited to introduce my friend Bree to you today. She is also a health and nutrition coach, but the thing that I love most about her is she helps her clients transition to a plant-based diet, which I think is so cool because I went the other way. I grew up in a plant-based diet and I untransitioned. And so, but I love that that's part of your story and part of who you are because I love vegetarians. I love vegans. And my dad was, had to be fully vegan, like at the end of his life. And so like, that's a piece of me that I share with her, but also her superpower is helping people with mindset when it comes to nutrition and it would come when it comes to food and being able to build that healthy structure for how to eat from the mind all the way to what exactly I should be eating. So her name is Brie Perry. She's with plant-based with Brie. I'm so excited that you're joining me today for my podcast. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. You know, one of the things that you had mentioned that I would love to spend some time diving into is how to neutralize food. So I know that you do a lot of things. I know that, that there are so many places that we could go and talk and and like you have a wheelhouse for so many things that are fascinating to me. But the new, but how to neutralize food or basically take a food that is a trigger food for you or something that, you know, just just for some reason, it just, it just feels like I do a bad behavior every time I'm trying to interact with it. It's so personal to me because I work with so many emotional eaters and binge eaters, and they always kind of feel like there's a food that will just get them off track. And then once they're off track, it's like the the train is completely derailed and it ruins so many diets. And then there's, there's the shame and there's the guilt and then there's the emotional stuff. So kind of break down, what does it mean when you're working with somebody to try to neutralize some of that with the food and what your process is and, and, and tell, tell me more about how that works when you're working with a client. Yeah, hundred percent. It's such a common challenge for, for like so many people the you know good food versus bad food like wanting to eat something but feeling ashamed for wanting to eat it and then letting yourself eat it and then feeling so guilty for eating it and it's just like a whole crazy cycle right so day 1 with all of my clients they get they and probably even before they become a client like if they're following along on Instagram and watching my content they're going to hear me talk about intuitive eating every day because that's just like, it's such a big part of my life now coming from a big dieting mentality for like six ish years. Yeah. I love, I utilized tracking macros as way more than a tool. It was like my life. And I had bodybuilding splits with precise workouts that I wanted to do every single day. Yep. And I wanted to weigh 140 pounds and I was about ready to do anything to get there. Yeah. And along the way, I developed a lot of just really challenging mindsets. Yes. Demonizing foods was a big thing. So with each client that comes in, that's really struggling with like trigger foods or overeating sweets or overeating savory chips and pizza and stuff. We first discuss intuitive eating and we start talking about what feeling hungry feels like, what feeling full feels like, how many times in the past that they felt hungry and skipped it until they were absolutely starving and then Mm -hmm. decided to eat and then they eat and then they eat until they're way past full. And so a lot of people do that every single day. You know, they, they just, they skip breakfast and they're like, Oh, we're having coffee and we're going and it's really busy and I don't have time to eat. And food isn't a priority until it's like 
an alarming priority. Yes. So once they're able to tune into those hunger cues, you know, they honor when they're hungry, they honor when they're full, then we can start talking about creating this better relationship with food because you've now got this foundation of like not skipping meals and not overeating to the point of feeling sick. So then you can really tune in like to they've, you know, they've had their breakfast, they've had their lunch, and now we're going out for pizza for dinner. They've had that that good foundation of meals for the for the day. So then when they get to dinner, they're not absolutely starving. It's just it's dinner time. Right. So they can maybe start with a salad and have a piece of pizza. They're slowing down on that first piece of pizza and they're enjoying each bite. They're maybe setting the pizza down between bites, having a sip of water, enjoying a conversation with loved ones. They're going to finish that piece of pizza and they're going to tune in. How full am I? Yeah. You know, and a lot of people eat two pieces of pizza, but I've gone through and I've eaten a whole half of a pizza with my husband on the couch watching Netflix because I was at the salon all day and I didn't eat the meals that I should have been eating. And now it's dinner time and I'm fucking hungry. Right, right. So to answer your question in a short frame, the first step is intuitive eating and honoring hunger cues. I guess to put it simple. Sorry yeah, for the long-winded well, answer. <laughs> no, but but it is. It's all of those things. And what I'm hearing you say with just the honoring hunger cues um, is it's it's you it's you needing to actually honor yourself. Because, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking about this with my clients, because my clients, yes, same behaviors as yours, because yeah. we're busy women. I think it's just kind of a trait of a lot of busy women. Um, we don't plan to eat because we're taking care of everything and everybody else. And then we get to a time of the day where we're really hangry, we're getting hangry, but we don't have time to get something or we didn't plan to get something. So we push through and we ignore it. Yeah. And the message you're sending yourself is you're not important. And like one way that, that I frame it with some of my clients, um, is if this was your child, well, would, would you do this? Like, would you ignore your child like that? Another human being, right? Mm -hmm. Of course not. But yet, but yet our clients are willing to ignore themselves that way. They don't see, because if you think about it, our bodies are like children. Our bodies are completely dependent upon us to care for them. No one else can feed our bodies for us. So mm-hmm. like if we're not willing to be the parent over our own bodies, like we're a parent over children or caregivers or whatever, then what we're basically saying to our body, to ourself, you don't matter. So it sounds to me like, you know, when you're working with someone to change a relationship with food, this critical hunger thing that honoring the hunger that's way more, that's way bigger than, oh, I'm hungry. I have to eat. Like the yeah. crux of this is them connecting with themselves and honoring themselves as a person and yeah. seeing that as valuable. Does that make sense? Oh my God. I want to go get a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, we got to honor our self-worth. Hey. And like you said, like a lot of women are mothers. So another way to also look at that is like, Like if you want to show up as the best mother possible, which I know we all do, we have to feed ourselves. Otherwise we're going to be short tempered. We're going to be emotional. You know, we're going to be moody and we won't be able to show up as powerfully for our kids. Like, so I love that, like that frame there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing good happens when you're hangry. No, (laughs) but everything bad does. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Hangry can bring out like the worst and that alone, you teaching them how to 
take the time. And I'm curious, do you ever get pushback from some of your clients when you're like, if you need to eat, you need to eat. Like, do they ever kind of try to discount that or say, or give you an excuse or try to find a reason why it was okay that I didn't or act like, you know, what, what kind of pushback, if any, do you experience from them? Sure. So I won't say that any of them give pushback. A lot of them, like they hear that and they acknowledge that and it resonates, but a lot of them, not a lot of them, but like some of them, it takes longer for them to implement. So Ah. kind of the first phase of us working together is just them acknowledging what they're doing Mm. and recognizing it. And they might not really have this mental capacity to make any changes yet, but they're at least noticing it. And I count that as a win for all of them, because I think that that's huge. But then we do start brainstorming together. Like how can we start making some shifts? And the biggest thing that starts coming up at that phase, that's like the first friction phase is the feeling that, so yes, three of I've got four clients right now and three of them are mothers and each of them say that it's hard to like do intuitive eating when they're trying to feed their kids. Interesting. (laughs) They're like trying to feed them and they're like, okay, but I want to like slow down with my food or whatever, but like. Junie is wanting this and little Bob wants this. And so like, I just, I can't eat slow. And I'm like, okay. So that was kind of, honestly, that was a great coaching moment for me because I was like, that makes sense. (laughs) Like that's fair. Okay. So then from there we were like, well, is there any way for you to like, okay, you might not be able to like be present during your whole meal, but honestly to even like kind of cut that meal in half and just have a few bites first. So you're at least kind of settled down a little bit and feeling less hangry. Tend to your children, get them abs- get them fed and then come back to your meal. That was kind of one thing that we kind of started working on together. And she said that could work like it was working. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like there are a couple like different resistances that people have to it, but most of them do kind of acknowledge that you know, food is important and we need to be getting food in. But a lot of them are like, Hey, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. Easier said than done. And I, yeah. I, I know that <laughs> my kids, they do not care if mom needs to eat. Like the only no. thing that they see is my demand right now. And it's even demands like mom, will you get me water? And I'm like, <laughs> my response is always, you have two hands and you have two feet. <laughs> You're capable of getting your water. Mommy doesn't have to be the one to get your, you know, but a lot of us moms, we just, we just don't think twice. Oh, our kid is ordering us. Okay. And we jump to like a soldier and, and that might be the first time, you know, a mom has ever thought, oh, I don't have to get it now. And that's, that might be new and uncomfortable to realize what if I told my kid to wait till I finish eating because I'm important too, you know, that's probably a whole new concept. Yes. And I would actually love your viewpoint on this because one of the moms actually, the, the, the first kid is 13 months and the other one is two. So they are smaller and they're yeah. not necessarily able to go get their own thing. So like, do you have any brainstorm ideas for that? Cause I feel like that would help a lot of the moms with the younger children, you know? Yeah. The younger ones, thank God they grow out of it. Yeah. You're like one day, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I did, I, I know with my oldest one, I was better at it than with my youngest. And, and now my oldest is 11. My youngest is six, but my youngest still acts like she's two. And like, I have to get everything. And my oldest was the one that would not ask me. She tried to get it first and I'd have to stop her and be like, no, mommy, stop climbing the fridge. Mommy will get get it. You know, like that's dangerous. So, you know, kids are different, but it, it is still one of those things where, 
there you just have to find a way to draw a boundary because no at at, at at such young ages the kids can't you know maybe yeah. the two-year-old might be able to do some things depending upon you know what's available like they might be able to get their own water maybe yeah. um or something like that but but you know it's got to be there it's got to be a boundary of saying okay this I've done this for you yep. and now you can wait while I do this for me, but yep. that's the hardest thing, but it doesn't yeah, stop. Sure. It doesn't stop at two and at 13 months. It doesn't stop there. Like yeah. they'll still be doing that when they're teenagers. They'll still be like, mom, yeah. will you get me food? Like, no, <laughs> you're yeah. 14. You can get your own food. <laughs> Go make a sandwich. <laughs> you know how to use the air fryer. Go do it. <laughs> I have to do that with my daughter. I'm like you're 11. You can use the air fryer. Go heat them up. You can use a microwave. You can do chicken nuggets the same as I can. You do it. Mom's done, you know, but I mean, thank God they grow out of it. So, so first they have to either way, whatever stage of life they are in, they need to come up with strategies to be able to make space in their life to eat, whatever that looks like. Even if it looks like, Hey honey, you're now getting things for the kids. While I, I literally had to ask my husband that I know we would have to be like, honey, I literally just sat down to eat and they're already done and on to the next thing <laughs> you d- your tag. You're it. You yes. know, not everybody has a partner like that, but I, I would have to ask and not be upset that he didn't just know. Yes. Like I, I would have to literally be like, honey, I need to eat. You got them. Asking for what we need rather than assuming. Yeah. That's hard sometimes though, because yeah. we feel yeah. guilty for that. Yeah. It's a good practice to practice, to just try to get better at it and just try to acknowledge it. Like, okay, yeah. can I ask for support here? Like, that's huge. That's part of connection too, with you valuing yourself, like, like asking for that help matters. So, okay, let's say they figure out a strategy. They're able to get the hunger in, you know, take, take care of that. They're, they're not ignoring themselves quite as much. Yeah. And that's working better. So then when it comes to neutralizing food, what comes next? Yeah. So honestly, from there, once they've got the like acknowledgement and they've started to put it into practice, usually it's actually pretty seamless. I mean, everyone has little struggles here and there, but the idea is to just keep practicing, keep practicing. But once they've got those hunger cues in check, eating food becomes easier. And then once you notice that you don't have to binge every time you eat this food, your relationship just becomes like more powerful each time you eat a food without overeating it or whatever. And honestly, that just the practice and the repetition and the proving to yourself that this food is neutral, like I don't have to go crazy on it or whatever. Um, I think that in itself is kind of just what neutralizes the food is just the relationship becoming stronger. Gotcha. Practice. <laughs> yeah. So like, Honoring the hunger makes it so that I'm not approaching this food in like a completely crazed state, you know, yeah. which is helpful. But t- tell me more about the back end of that, which yeah. is because I know that sometimes with binge eating, you do not honor the fullness cue. Like right. you will run that stop sign and you will keep going. And for some people I've worked with until you're throwing up. Yeah. And you don't even care. So, so like, tell me about the importance of the back end of that, which is we know we're hungry, but what about the full thing? Yeah. So I feel like for the clients that do get to that point and they then struggle heavily and they're not able to just become more neutral with it. 
at that point, it's almost more of like emotional eating, which I haven't dived into that quite as much with my clients, but I know you do quite a bit with yours. Um, but yeah, for a lot of mine, it was just like, they're busy, they're busy, they're busy. So then they wouldn't eat. And then it would just be that they're so hungry that they're overeating. And they never recognize that if they just simply eat breakfast, eat lunch, like have meals kind of planned out that this would feel so much better. So then I feel that if they're getting to this point and they've got the regular meals and they're eating when they're hungry, but every time they, or a lot of the times when they eat, or if they eat a specific food, the pizza or the cookies, they're overeating. At that point, it's almost like emotions of some sort. Mm -hmm. Either they, yeah, their self-worth is kind of low. Maybe they're bored. Maybe they didn't get enough sleep the night before and they're exhausted. I feel like maybe even they're angry and they just like, this is what they're doing to kind of soothe themselves in the moment. Isn't that interesting? I had a moment like that recently, Brie. Like, like, listen, coaches heal things we've had to deal with, right? So like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it goes away 150%. Doesn't mean you're perfect at it. Like the other night, was it Sunday night or Monday night? It might have been, hmm, (laughs) it was Sunday night. I, I sat on the couch and then it might've been Monday. It, it doesn't matter. Anyway, it was, it was a couple nights ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a couple nights ago. And I remember sitting on the couch and I told myself all day, I'm like, I'm not going to have a glass of wine. I can have a <laughs> night where I don't have a glass of wine. And then it's like nine o'clock and I'm like, no, I'm, this is happening. All right. I'm having a glass of wine. And then like this thing took over and that's usually how it feels for me. It, a thing takes over some somebody inside of me has made a decision and now I'm along for the ride and then it was chocolate get the chocolate then it was well I'm this far in I might as well finish the bag then it was you know and all the while I wasn't processed I I, the whole time I'm like why am I doing this why am I doing this why am I doing this (laughs) because I I'm not connected to any of it and then the next day I sat down, I got my journal out and all of a sudden I noticed I was angry, mm, like yeah, yeah. really angry. And I was like, where did this come from? And then when I realized like I was feeling angry and partly because I was mad at myself for what I did the night before. Right. Cause that that's, yeah. that's there too. Right. But it was deeper than that. I was like, did I just binge out of anger? like anger at myself who am I angry at and it was like I'm angry at me why am I angry at me you know like but like to finally get there even even though I do all this journaling stuff even though I've been around this mountain a few times it doesn't happen so often it's so funny that you mentioned are you angry because I don't think people realize sometimes that you know you could just literally be angry and not even be aware of it yeah and next thing you know you're just eating and eating and eating. And if you can't name those emotions, if you can't connect to yourself, which is what the hunger that you're teaching them to do is doing, if you can't connect with yourself over just something as simple as your hunger, like you can't, you're not gonna be able to connect with yourself over what am I feeling right now? That's making me want to eat the food, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's all this wash of gray. And, and that's, I had no idea sitting there eating that I was angry. Mm-hmm. No idea. But dude, like how powerful though, because, because the thing is like, we've got all this knowledge, like we've done our homework, we've, we've got our certifications, whatever, done the things, but then to put that into practice in an experience, 
the next, like the next time you're going to be so much more aware of what's happening and be like, okay, hold on, wait, what emotions in the background? You know, I think that is incredible that you like did that full circle and you like came to that realization. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where even when you have the tools without having somebody help you walk through it and like kind of review it with you, that's outside of you, it can be hard to access or to figure out the solutions on your own. You know, it yes. can be it can be hard to kind of play that back and be like, I don't know what was going on because I literally didn't know what was going on the whole time. I'm like, you coach this. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you being vulnerable and sharing that is huge because I think that just goes to show like, the majority of the population does not have all the knowledge that you do. So they would just be on repeat with that cycle. Whereas you do have that knowledge and you have like learned so much stuff that then you were able to have that experience and learn, actually learn from it. But if you don't yeah. have the knowledge, you're just, right. you're just going over at, and over. At least the tools can help me review later on and be like, oh, which is helpful, which is helpful. You know, it's part of it, but it's for <laughs> all a human. So, so what do you feel like is the biggest mindset shift that like when you work with someone that needs to take place for them to heal their relationship with food and start to get a better relationship with how they're eating and, and what they're doing with food? Mm. Yes. Well, I think because I've been sharing my story a little bit more of just like having gone through such a big dieting phase in myself at such a young age. And then now I'm coming into this like intuitive eating and intuitive eating can be very misunderstood of just like eat whatever you want. It's all good, whatever. Right. But for a lot of us that are coming from the dieting mentality, one of the biggest things is doing this like big old dive into the ocean of just like changing everything about the way that we eat at once and wanting all these big changes right at once. So the biggest thing with my clients is typically taking baby steps through this process and realizing that this is actually going to be a lot longer of a journey than you ever thought it was going to be Interesting. because I feel like there's a lot of promotion out there of just like, you know, new lifestyle in eight weeks or like eight weeks or yes, <laughs> whatever. Instant gratification. I'm yeah. a different person tomorrow. I'm never going back. <laughs> mm. And even to learn intuitive eating or tap into macro tracking for eight weeks. Like that's a tool you're going to take with yourself and you're going to be utilizing it for the next few months. Like even, maybe even after you leave your time with your coach, you're going to keep implementing this it's a refining and process, seeing progress yeah. mm -hmm. as long as you're taking those little steps each day, being consistent. And maybe you do fall off the bandwagon, but it's not something that just like totally throws you off now. It's just like, it's a stumble and, but you continue to go. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing is like making much smaller changes and just being more consistent. Yeah. Of course, that consistency feels a little bit easier because we're biting off smaller chunks now. Um, but yeah, I think that's like the biggest thing. And I, and I love just continuing to preach to them like, nope, you're actually doing great. You did that little thing we talked about. You're doing incredible. Like, right. They're like, nothing's happening. They don't, they don't value the little things. They don't see the little, which is why you need a coach, you know, yeah. which is why, you know, you're so valuable because they're skipping over those tiny little consistent things that they're doing. And it's like, they don't even exist. All they're seeing is the big thing they didn't do. Yeah. And, and yet those tiny little things that they're consistently doing when they're working with you are much bigger than that one thing, that one fail or that one thing that happened. Yes. Yeah. Like you haven't weighed yourself since you went to the doctor last a few months ago, but 
you put on a sweatshirt. This is literally my client was telling me about this yesterday on our call. She was like, you know, I've been trying not to look at my weight because it really stresses me out. And I was like, and that's something that we like work through later too, is like your weight shouldn't stress you out because whatever. Yeah. Side note. But like, she hasn't weighing herself because that's kind of like a boundary we've put in place as we're yep. working through this program. We're not going to worry right. about that. Right. But she One put thing on a at sweatshirt. a time. <laughs> oh my God. She put on that sweatshirt or it, she was at school and she asked her son to bring her a sweatshirt and he brought her one and she saw it. She's like, ah, shit, that one's usually a little bit tight, but she put it on <laughs> and she's like, I had some room. I was like, yes, girl, you're doing incredible. Like, Wow. I don't know. And even if that hadn't happened and, and her clothes weren't fitting looser yet, like just those little things, like it takes a different amount of time for everybody. Yeah. But as long as you're doing these little things and you're feeling a little bit better, like because you're being consistent, like that's huge. You're not going to get there without consistency. Yeah. You're not going to get there without small wins. You know, it's a series of consistent small wins, you know, practiced over and over and over again. Yeah that makes the big moments happen. And, and yet so many people just, they just gloss, they, they, they don't think of it that way. Right. They don't acknowledge all the hard work, all the ways they're showing up until they're have a, they have a meltdown. And then it's like, I've been showing up every day I've been doing all right. You know, but, but the success has to happen in between where we're noticing and course correcting in those small moments, instead of it just being, Oh, I expected it to be a bigger loss on the scale today. I expect yeah. it, you know, and only seeing the failures. Yeah. So that's huge. I mean, yeah. that you're, I mean, that's, that's such a huge part of this. And I'm so glad that you're kind of camping there and, and demonstrating that this, that is everything. Those yeah. small wins, yeah. that being predictable 1% more, yeah. that's everything. That is how the process is done. That's not, nothing that is the process you know yeah for sure (laughs) yeah so I'm kind of curious because you and I are a little different in 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 this part of the way that we work and I'm so curious about hearing your perspective on it because you mentioned kind of before you help people with intuitive eating and everything like that and I don't do intuitive eating Per se, when I work with a client, I start immediately with macros because they're usually trying to get a certain amount of weight off by a certain time and it's the easiest. But I always tell them the end game is not for you to track forever. Like this is not a religion. This is a skill. The end game is for you to get more intuitive with your eating and to build on it. And I literally thought of you the other day when I was talking with a client because we were kind of going over what is intuitive eating. And it was so interesting because she had this idea that well, my body just tells me what I want and I eat it. And I was like, okay, I don't think that's what it actually is, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm sure you hear that a lot. And I would love for you to kind of share more about what intuitive eating is and what intuitive eating isn't. Because like, if someone says, pretty sure every day at three o'clock, my body says, I need some Girl Scout cookies, the entire bag. My body just asks for it, right? Like you could make that case, right? But that's not exactly the purpose of intuitive eating. So can you dispel some of the myths that people may not realize what it really is or how it really works and what, and and what intuitive eating actually entails? Oh yeah. Okay. I feel like there's so many layers. And I guess the first thing that came to mind because you love the macros and I love the intuitive eating. 
So I feel like there's pros and cons to both. Yes. Um, 100%. So yes, the intuitive eating can feel way too free form for some people and they might not even fully do it completely right. Like by honoring the hunger cues first, they might just feel like they're maybe doing it. And then with the macros, sometimes it's too strict. I think the biggest thing for me, like what a pro was for me before was that macros was like, I really loved the strategy behind it. It told me exactly what I needed to eat in order to feel good. The thing was sometimes my days would be busy and then maybe I wouldn't get in for breakfast or whatever. And then I'd get to lunch and I would have to overeat in order to fit everything in that I needed to feel, to feel good or to hit my numbers. Yeah. So then I kind of found myself overeating to hit my numbers. And that's, that was, that was a bad on my part. Like that wasn't a healthy way to do that because you're just hitting your numbers and you're like stuff in your face to do it. Yeah. And it didn't feel good. Yeah. Because in an ideal world with those macros, you're going to be using intuitive eating too, because, and in the beginning, you may have to kind of overeat a little bit, especially if you're trying to put on muscle and you've got a lot of workouts you're trying to hit. Like you want to be sure that you're getting enough protein, carbs, and fats in there to support this new workout split that you're implementing into your life. So the idea is to kind of eat a little bit more, but I think that there were just a lot of times where I just wasn't in tune with my hunger cues and it mm-hmm. went on for so long. And I think that's where a lot of the disordered eating habits came from. And then I was just blaming it on other things, but really it was because I was not in with my hunger cues. It's true. So I think with the intuitive eating in the beginning, you do eat whatever you want because a lot of us, again, are coming from that dieting mindset and there's too much good food, bad food. So that first step is simply like eat whatever you want, but my God, please eat your breakfast, please eat your lunch and please eat your dinner and stop eating when you're full. <laughs> so we literally just start there. It sounds so simple, so silly, but so many people struggle. It's with it. hard though. It's hard because like, especially like with my, not to interrupt you, but like, I've got a lot of clients that they're so used to dieting, like yeah, they yeah. don't eat any food. They eat like 600 calories a day and they're never hungry. Yes. So telling them to eat when they're hungry that's a hard thing to start with. Cause like, but I'm not hungry. So, and that's scary. That's a scary yeah. thought to them. So, so it sounds simple. It sounds basic, but it's actually not, especially when you're in a diet culture, which is yeah. what you transition to this from, yes. which, which, which makes you completely lose your sense of hunger and fullness. Yeah. This is why it's so important to do your research and kind of like just get a feel for what you need because macros can be very powerful for that person that is under eating and they feel like shit. You're going to kind of give them an idea of where they're going to start and how much they need to eat for breakfast. Like, okay, I understand you're not hungry yet because you've been suppressing your appetite for so long, but we're going to boost your metabolism by getting you to eat a breakfast and eat a lunch and eat a dinner. Yeah. And it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable for a few weeks, but I promise just trust the process. And, and you're their coach, so they trust you, so they do it. And then they feel that, like, they feel it, you know, three weeks in, four weeks in, they're like, oh, my God, she was right. Yes. It's, it's like, it's, yes. Yes. They feel so, so much better. So, <laughs> you know, you got to do what's going to work for you. And I know that's hard to, like, sometimes you got to go through a few different diets. And, like, a lot of people say, don't call intuitive eating a diet. It's just kind of a natural way of eating. But I think in order to like explain it properly, you've got to like give it a label and start listing out some things that like make up this being. <laughs> it's still a system. Um, it's still a system of of a framework because let's be honest, our whole society, what's normal in society is disordered eating. Yeah, there you go. That's normal. <laughs> so, 
that's sad, but pretty true. It is uh, because most people I know they don't eat all day and then they get home and then it's, well, what do I feel like eating? I'm hangry. And then it's out the window, eat a thon until bed. And then so, they like, think they're a horrible freaking person. Yes. And it's like, no. Yes. No. What's normal for like most people, I would say 90% of the people I work with, if not like 95 to 99 is disordered eating yeah. because of stress, because of busyness. So like, like hunger cues, nor like there's no frame, there's no hook to hang any of it on. Yeah. Because it's yeah. a reactionary thing. Hunger eating is just something I do when I have time. Yeah, for sure. They don't know how to be human. So, so like the first is connecting with the intuitive eating is connecting to those hunger cues. And then yeah. Yeah. one and, and the fullness and stuff. And then is there, is that all, is that mostly the framework of what intuitive eating is? Or is there more that kind of, like different, you said there's different layers. Like what would be the next layer from there? Yeah. So I don't have these memorized, but hot damn, I should start working on it. <laughs> there, there are 10 principles to intuitive eating. Um, and so, yeah, the, the hunger, you know, things- more than me. So that's going to get me further <laughs> along because I know nothing yeah. about this. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. there were 10 principles. <laughs> I read a book and then I did the certification and I was like, okay. I didn't know it was going to go that deep, but yeah. Yeah. It was like, so the hunger cues is one. Um, uh, what's that word? Like when you push against something like questioning the food police or whatever, like a good food, yeah. bad food. Yeah. Um, oh, the labeling, like the food labeling yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Okay. Like so questioning that would... those labels and like, are they actually true or is it just something society, 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 yeah. <laughs> society has been telling you over the years um there's that one and then you go into like um handling your emotions with kindness interesting instead of like beating ourselves up and being so negative in our head and then relying on food for that crutch it's like just kind of being real and like actually acknowledging your emotions instead of just saying like oh i'm stressed it's like no why am i stressed is there any way to kind of shift my life so that i feel less stressed or whatever there's that. And then like, there like honoring, honoring and owning, you have to own your emotions. You can't just yeah. pass them off. I'm stressed. I'm going to eat. No, we have to own this emotion. This is your responsibility. Yeah. And kind you, of a and thing. You have to find other coping tools. Like if you want to move forward in this journey, like, are you comfortable staying here and using food as a crutch for the next 10, 20 years? Or do you want to do something differently? Because you're going to have to like acknowledge that and start working on it. And it's not going to be easy and it's going to feel very uncomfortable, but you know, give it a few months, give it a year. It's going to feel way easier. And then moving forward, it's going to feel even easier and even easier over time. And then eventually it's not really going to be something you think about that much anymore. That's when you know you've made a lot of good progress. Right. Another one that's really huge is like, and I used to think that this was pretty silly, but like the body image thing, like, there's a big thing on like body positivity or whatever, but it's not even just that. Like a lot of people want to jump to that and be like, I, you know, I hate my thighs too much cellulite, my poor belly. Like I've had a few kids, like all they're doing is focusing on these negative things that they want to change because they look out into the world. They watch a movie, they see Netflix. Only perfect people are depicted on TV for the most part, you know, That's true. so we can really get to comparing. So it's like, okay, body image first step, we're not even going to worry about these negative things that you don't like for now. Like eventually we're going to address them and work through them. But like for now, let's start brainstorming. Like what are some things that you can actually respect about your body? And sometimes uh, 
the, the first time I read this, it honestly made me feel kind of bad, but they were listing that, that they can see, that they can breathe, that they can walk. And I was like, oh, man, you know, you like that shows how much they really don't like their body. And that it took me a while to get used to coaching this because it made me feel so sad, but I was like, damn, it okay. Is sad. Yeah. So we just week after week after week, I had them list new things. Well, first couple of weeks, it's the same things I can see, I can breathe. And that's not everybody, but there was a client that was doing that. And so working through this stuff was really hard, but like yeah. five weeks in, they started telling me things that were more positive. They were able to keep a more uplift, uplifting outlook on things. And that was really cool to see. So the body image thing is huge. And the first thing that we start working towards is body neutrality, where we can respect our bodies, we can view it for what it does do instead of focusing on all this negative stuff. Because when we focus on this negative stuff, we get in this low place and sometimes we don't take action at all because we feel so hopeless. 100%. You're never going to take action when you're hopeless. Yes, that is huge. Yeah. And so I've not got to body positivity with any of my clients yet. But a lot of them have gotten to body neutrality and they feel like they're body positive because they've just made so much progress. So that's just really cool too, to see them like just start viewing these things about themselves that are so special and so important. And just, I don't know, like, like we said at the beginning, the self-worth, like you are worthy of getting healthy. You are worthy of eating meals. You are worthy of moving your body every day. Yeah. Don't ever question it, you know? So there's it's, that. And then the last step, sorry, there's like so much. I, I'm, I, get, I had no idea there were, there was all I, I'm loving this. Cause I'm like, yes, I believe in all of that. Maybe I am more into <laughs> intuitive eating than I thought. <laughs> you are. I didn't you know are. it was such a big world. So I'm so glad you're unpacking it. The last step. What is it? And this is where you could probably, I think you could do, you could get to, for me, like if I can get my clients to this step, if we can work through all of it and get to this step, I would be like, okay, you're, you really want to lose weight. Maybe you've lost a little bit, but you want to get serious. I'd be like, I would set them free to go find a macro coach at this point, because I know they've got a very strong relationship with food. Yes. Um, but so this last step is pretty much nutrition it's called gentle nutrition where you kind of start balancing macros and including whole foods for more um, antioxidants and micronutrients and things like that and making sure we're getting plenty of water. And, you know, working throughout this whole process, like we probably do talk about this stuff a little bit and just seeing like, I'm sure you've heard me here that eat one fruit and one vegetable every single day. Yep. Like I kind of start them out on that too at the beginning because they come into this coaching container wanting to learn about nutrition. Right. But they end up getting a lot more. But just so that I can like get that itch, I'm like, eat one fruit and one vegetable every day. Because yeah. I don't want to overwhelm them. I'm telling you, a lot of these clients are coming in and they've just like they think they need to do all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no wonder you haven't been able to find success. You're and they can't do much. any of them. Yeah. They can't yeah. do any of them because there are too many, too many things you're trying to juggle in the air all at once and you don't have a yeah. system for any of them. I'm like, girl, so, don't feel bad. I wouldn't be able to do all that either. <laughs> Yeah. But you know what you're underscoring here, which I find to be true too, which is, which is why like when I'm working with a new, an emotional eating, binge eating or restrictive eating client, I tell them all the time, we can't start with macros. Just like you said, I could give you the perfect plan. You won't follow it. Yeah. You're not ready to follow it. You won't follow it because you'll, you'll find a reason why you messed up and then you'll binge or I'll give you the plan and you won't eat any of the food on the plan because it's too much food and I'm bad you know? And so, and yeah. I have these clients, like I have, I have one client 
she's amazing and she's a kickboxer and she just she burns a ton of calories in the gym kickboxing but because of these negative messages that she's received her whole life partly mm -hmm. cultural and things like that you know most of our work has been allowing herself permission to eat what her body needs like that alone mm -hmm. is you know and all of these things kind of work together because if you're always telling yourself how awful you look like you mentioned like with the body neutrality thing without ever seeing how many wonderful things your body does for you, yeah. you know, like imagine yourself as a person, like imagine you treating your body like another person, like another human being, all you see is all their faults and you don't see any good things. You're not going to like that person. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to take care of somebody you don't like. Why would you take care of someone you don't like? You know? So it makes sense yeah. that if, unless we get this mental, these mental pieces that you've just outlined together, and we've made the food neutral, we've made the body neutral, and we've started to make it so that you're respecting yourself again and connecting to yourself again, then the best diet in the world isn't going to fix anything. You're just, you're just going to use it as a big bat and you're going to keep beating yourself up over the head no. with that bat of the diet. And I, sometimes I tell them like, the last thing I want to do is give you another weapon to use against you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you a diet. You're going to find a way to fail it and you're going to beat yourself up with it. Yes. I, yeah. We can't do that. It's not going to work. And if you're at war with yourself, who wins? Mm -hmm. No yeah. one, you know, the house divided against itself can stand. So this is, I had no idea intuitive eating was this big of an expansive. I didn't know it was so much mindset work. I, like once again, it was like, oh, it's just, we eat whatever you feel like eating all the time. But people don't realize that there's there's actually a method to that, that by yeah, giving yeah. you permission to eat whatever you want, now you're going to have to come face to face with my limiting beliefs, yeah, with my fears, with my labels, with all of that stuff. And that's the only way that you can. And I bet that's pretty scary, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, when I quit tracking macros, I was like. I'm about to gain so much weight. Mm -hmm. I'm going to absolutely hate myself. And to be real, like I did gain weight. But when I look back at the photos, I was like, oh my God, like I thought I was so fat. And I'm like, it took me a while to get comfortable in my new body. But now I look at it and I realize like, this is just like, I'm not a bodybuilder. I don't really want to live that way. You lifestyle. don't want to be. Yeah. But my body is a healthy, lot of work, you know, like <laughs> I don't have abs anymore. And, you know, my thighs did get a little bigger, which I was abs so worried are, about. Abs are so much maintenance. They're worse than a high maintenance relationship. I'm, I'm serious. I like, I'm over abs now that I'm 42. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so over abs. Like we want a strong <laughs> ass core. But I don't need to see them. That's different. <laughs> yeah. Having a strong core is completely different than yeah. seeing every little nook and cranny and having to keep up with the maintenance and what people don't realize is the fitness models and the people that you see that have a lot. Some people genetically are blessed, but that's not the majority of the people you see, women especially, that have those abs. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of disordered eating. There's a lot of eating disorders. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I mean, it's, you know, in the fitness industry, there's a lot of negative things with food and restriction that yeah. people don't tell you about, you know. So it doesn't. And, and like, not to say that because I feel like there probably are people out there that do the bodybuilding as a hobby, you know, like they love it and they love to work out and they love to eat healthy and feel great. And I th think that's incredible. 
but that's such a small portion of the population. And then we've got our everyday Joes, our, our busy moms, our, you know, young chicks or whatever. And the camera is on these super fit people because they're beautiful and they're sculpted and like everybody wants to they look sell at that, things, you know, they sell things. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, as you live in your lifestyle, it's like you have to realize what this entails because I don't think everybody does know like exactly what it takes to look that way. Yeah. Um, not Nor to is- say you can't make process like progress and see your muscles and stuff like for sure. But, but, but it's not the only standard of beauty either. Yes. Yeah. That too. It's not like you can be beautiful and not see every ounce of ab. You can have a flat stomach and still be, you know, like it's, it's one of those things we get caught up in our own prisons of what we admire, what we find beautiful. And then we discount ourselves. Yeah. We have to start questioning that for sure. Mm. A book you have to read is more than a body. Ooh, that sounds really good. Their last name is Kite. It's twin sisters. And they wrote this book more than a body. They are intuitive eating queens they got their phd in it or something like that i don't know but it's just it really gets you questioning society and why we have these beliefs that we do and yeah it's just she was talking about journal entries she was writing in in like fifth grade and how she like didn't want to wear a swimsuit because she thought she was so fat isn't that sad i remember having those types of journal entries i remember thinking that way in fifth grade fifth freaking grade probably everybody does it and it's like that is not okay but it's also not our fault and it's not our fault to want to like lose weight or change our bodies either because look at the society we live in yeah i don't know now i'm rambling no no it's so true i just love it the more freedom that we can bring to women around this like the better because I don't know about you, but I mean, well, your story, my story, you know, we both had enough of it. And so that's why we got into the space. That's why we explored all this. That's why we started pushing back on all these beliefs that we were holding and all of this ridiculous patterns with food. And it's worth the work. It's worth the freedom that you get. So if someone wanted to reach out and, and learn more about how can I learn about intuitive eating from you? How can I begin to to, to put all these principles or work with you to be able to figure out how to, to change my relationship with food? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Mm, I'm an Instagram. I'm Woo! Instagrammer. Instagram <laughs> woman. <laughs> you know, my, um, my handle on Instagram is plant-based with Brie, um, B-R-I. Uh, you know what? Like to get a little juicy, I'm like, I'm kind of questioning changing it because as much as I know plant-based eating can make such an impact on the way that you feel and how important it is to add more whole foods into, into your nutrition. I'm like, man, maybe this isn't the key component though. You know, like I want something more overarching that encompasses all of this mindset stuff, but I'm like, I don't know what to change it to. So we're just leaving it there for now. So plant-based with (laughs) Brie. And I'm sure that like with your stories and the stuff that you talk about there, you know, you're just dropping, all of the, all of the stuff, yeah, all the mindset totally. stuff, all that, you know, you're going to get some good plant-based stuff as well, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining me for my podcast. Um, it's, exactly. I, I had no idea that the world of intuitive eating and how much the mindset and all of that mixed together, but I'm just so glad now I'm going to read that book that you suggested. Cause I'm super interested and I might share it with my Facebook it. group as well. <laughs> oh, everybody needs to read that book. Like, I don't know it. I read it like three years ago and I still think about it to this day. 
wow. I'm like, I want to reread it again. I don't know. That's wow. Good. So good. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Angela. <laughs> awesome.